Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, God and people. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, where you can learn to know and show the heart of God. And that's what counts. Thank you for joining me. I'm so excited today to introduce you to my new friend, Laura Crosby. She is from Minnesota, but we found each other online. She is really a lot about hospitality. And you know, if you know me at all, you know that's a, a subject close and dear to my heart. And she's a beautiful woman. And she and her husband uh, co-ministered together, have for years. I think he, you said he was a retired pastor. And they've been out in California recently as interim pastors, and then also back in Minnesota enjoying the beautiful Minnesota summer. So, uh, Laura, tell us a little bit about your family and your ministry, and then we're going to talk about legacy. Okay. Well, it's wonderful to be here. Um, Yeah, my husband and I have been married almost 38 years, I guess. And um, we have two grown daughters, one on the East Coast and one on the West Coast. And... um, the one on the West Coast is married, and we're thrilled to be uh, living temporarily out there in California, where we're near her. Right. And um, we, uh, my husband, was a senior pastor here in uh, Edina, Minnesota, for thirty years. And um, when he left that position, I hate I hate the word retired because you never retire, right? right. So, but but when he quote retired, then we um, went and did some ministry together in Switzerland and uh, then came home and um, something came up and now he is the interim pastor out in California. And we've always kind of approached ministry as a team together. Uh, we have very different gifts. And so it's it's been a delight. We do some mentoring uh, also of uh, leaders in our denomination and um, others and um, but uh, it's all good. It's fun. I love that. And uh, and my pastor, I think, has called retirement. We don't retire. We retread. And I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Remind, yeah. Remind your husband of that when he uh, thinks I'm not retired. I'm not that old. But you retreaded in Switzerland. That sounds like a nice place to take off. I'll tell my husband that when he gets ready to retread. And mm-hmm. um and I also like what you just said about your gifts are very different. Can you go into that a little bit? Because I married a man totally opposite than myself. And I think people worried about us. Well, mm-hmm. I worried about us too. <laughs> yes, we we are uh, very opposite. If you if you know the Enneagram at all, my, my husband is a five. He's kind of the investigator, very wise, uh, watchful. And I'm a seven. So I'm all over the place. I'm the enthusiast. Me I'm, too. Yeah, the entrepreneur, all that stuff. So different there. And he's an introvert. I'm an extrovert. Um, but we have learned so much from each other's strengths. And um, I've learned to slow down and not make decisions maybe quite so quickly and um, bring his wisdom and his uh, um, timing, hopefully, into some of my decisions more. And uh, um I am more the um, the connector, the the inviter, the welcomer. Uh, the, the so we do a lot drawing people into our home and uh, other places too. And uh, so that's a little bit of the way we complement each other. I guess. Uh, was that a challenge uh, for your husband at the beginning until he got used to you um, and saw the advantage of being uh, a? Con- I'm a connector as well. It's a gatherer is my middle name, but to mm-hmm. um, to honor my husband, I've I've pulled way back. 
Uh, and now he is a lot more able and feels more comfortable. So um, did he figure it out right away? Oh, this is a good way to be? Or did you have to sort of relegate how much you would network and invite and welcome? You know, he really has has valued it from the beginning and honors me so much. But I think the adjustment came in um, because he's an introvert. He is he, that that makes it sound like he's shy or something. He has all the social skills and he's very sure. personable, but he prefers smaller groups of people. So that's mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of the way that I've adjusted. So um, he would much prefer a, a more intimate dinner party with six people than a party or an open house with a hundred, which totally. I love. <laughs> oh, me too. And my argument when we were first married, maybe the first 10 years, I was still arguing with him on this, was that I have to clean the house and prepare just as much for 30 as I do for two. So let me have 30 because I'm doing the work, blah, blah, blah. And I, uh, but he would say, and this is even in my hospitality book, because uh, he would say it over and over. He goes, uh, a crowd will dissipate the fellowship. And I go, what do you mean dissipate? Well, of course I knew what dissipate meant. And he's right. I mean, when we have uh, even two couples, you don't get the one, you don't get to know as deeply the one couple. I still like to do crossovers. Like I like to invite a couple who is a believer, a believing family, and maybe a couple who's not, uh, who have perhaps a third area that is something that they have in common, or maybe we're just the ones that, or maybe they just need to be invited, right? And let God do that uh, peacemaking and that intentional crossover into where they see the grace of God in someone else's life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it is, he's right. My husband's been right. You know, that this past year during COVID when we couldn't have the crowds, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we only had nine for Thanksgiving instead of 35. And my darling introverted daughter said, mom, I know this was not the way you would have preferred, but I really liked it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I thought, okay, I was honoring her as well, as well as the law. So we're going to talk a little bit more about hospitality uh, eventually, but what legacy do you want to pass down to those that you know and love? What are you doing right now? Well, I would preface it by saying our prayer for our children every single day is that they might see the unmistakable evidence of God's goodness and faithfulness sometime during the day. Hmm. I hope, I pray that I'm modeling and will pass down this a passion for connection to God and to others. Um, I like to call it a life that chooses welcome and pays attention to God's presence. Mm. Could you repeat that first line? Because I'm taking notes and they may need to hear a repeat. The first um, line is the prayer for your children is that they will see it. They might see unmistakable evidence of God's goodness and faithfulness each day. Okay, go ahead. Well, and I just, I, I hope that I'm modeling that and that I'll pass down a passion um, for connecting to God and others, um, just m- hopefully modeling a life that chooses welcome mm-hmm. and pays attention to God's presence. Mm-hmm. When you say chooses welcome, I immediately go to welcoming people into our homes. Did you mean welcoming God into your life? What did you mean? Yes, absolutely. You know, um, one of my favorite uh, verses is Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20, that says, this day I set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord, your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. And I think that this command to choose life might also be interpreted. It's 
to choose welcome. And I believe we need to experience the welcome of God first to mm -hmm. connect with him first. And then out of that flows his spirit and the ability to welcome others, whether they're family or strangers or someone from a different race or a different political party or whatever. And, and for me, that often involves hosting people for meals in our home, but that's not the only way at all. So choosing welcome might look like serving at a homeless shelter or writing notes of encouragement or praying with folks in the hospital. Um, another one of my favorite verses is um, Zechariah 4.10, do not despise the day of small things. I mean, I think there are a lot of little ways we choose welcome mm -hmm. um, throughout our day. Mm -hmm. So. I love what you said there, and it really is the premise to a couple of my books. The whole idea that when we understand and know and actually embrace God's welcome, where we go, oh, he's invited me, um, and you, and your words were, then we have the ability uh, to welcome. I don't think everybody would agree that they feel that they have the ability to understand God loves them, but they don't feel they have the ability to welcome others because they haven't practiced it. And maybe that's one reason it's called practicing hospitality. But I also think uh, to go a step further is when I understand how much God has welcomed me, it's, it can be a natural or perhaps supernatural overflow overflow of my life, which is kind of what you're saying. You're choosing life. You're asked, you're praying that your children will see that it is something uh, that can be part of their whole, almost like their demeanor. Do you feel that way when you meet someone that you, what, what is it about you that someone would want to feel welcome to Jesus? Yeah. And, and I, I really, I feel like everybody has to figure out what that looks like with their own personality and, and giftedness. But for example, the other day I was standing in line at Party City and there was this Muslim woman ahead of me in line and she had so many, I mean, she had bought out the store. And so <laughs> I just, and um, she was covered head to toe with her hijab and, and everything. And, um, but I just smiled at her and I said, oh my gosh, it looks like you are having a huge party. Yeah. And she just beamed and she told me all about who was coming and why they were doing it and everything. And I mean, it was no big deal, yeah. but I feel like that is choosing welcome is in a small way. Yeah. Not oh, totally agree with that. And my mom has, they've been used to say about my mom that she's never met a stranger and I have those genes and you obviously do as well. I was out to coffee with a friend yesterday and I love the dress that this girl was wearing who worked there and she happened to come outside where we were and we just started talking because of her beautiful dress. And then I said, well, what's your name? Her name is Rochelle. I have to repeat it or I'll forget. And she even showed the rip in it because she'd been wearing it for seven years. And so she goes, well, I have one in white too. I'll wear it tomorrow. And I thought, oh gosh, I have to go back to that coffee shop today so I can see it in white. But <laughs> it's, it's to me, I think God gives us a radar to think of some way to connect, not in a false way. It's not, it's kind of like when I do Instagram, I don't want to ever do an Instagram where I'm forced to do it. It's just a natural overflow of what's happening right then in my life that may or may not bless someone else. Yeah. And that's what you did yesterday with that woman who was probably sweltering inside of her hijab. Maybe she was used to it, but she was having a party and she was excited and she got to share that with you. And she probably has a better view of, I don't know, you at least because you reached out to her, right? So, yeah. Right, right. So when I ask uh, what legacy, did you get to say everything you wanted to say about that? 
Yeah, and I don't I, mean just for your children, but actually for other people. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think that goes for other people. I, yeah. I hope yeah. that I communicate that. Yeah. What changes did you have to make or obstacles did you need to overcome to make this happen or that or, that you continue? I mean, challenges continue till we die. So. Well, you know, I think... Um, I think I'll answer this in the in the realm of hospitality, maybe, um, because I feel like there are two different ways that I learned the same thing um, many, many years ago. And then again, recently, um, and that is the idea of prioritize relationships over recipes and prioritize being present over being perfect. Mm-hmm. relationships over recipes and being present over being perfect. And, and you could translate that to more broadly in terms of prioritizing relationships over some of the distractions of our life in terms of choosing welcome in, in different contexts. But um, for me, years ago, uh, my husband and I had just moved from the Chicago area to Washington, D.C., and my husband had taken a job as the executive associate at a large church there. I went with uh, 18 month old and eight months pregnant with my second. We were moving away from the family for the first time. Everything was new, but the senior pastor and his wife really became mentors to us. Mm. And the senior pastor's wife's name was Coke. And um, she was just marvelous. In that same um, community, there was a delightful older couple that we wanted to get to know. So we invited them over to our house. And uh, the woman's name was Dee. We had them in. And now, remember, I had two kids under two, um, and it was crazy. And we had no money. So literally, (laughs) I know that I served them something like, if not Hamburger Helper, something very much like Hamburger Helper. (laughs) We served this couple, Hamburger Helper. We had a great time. We got to film them. Um, He was on the board at Fuller. She and both of them were musicians. She was a gourmet cook, all this stuff. So they invited us over to their house. Well, we went and because it was Washington, D.C., it's a little bit more formal. So we had, you know, dressed up a little bit and we got the door. They opened it and candlelight everywhere, soft music playing, this lovely atmosphere. And we came in and they, in their dining room, they had a custom made round table that had leaves that went in it so it would seat 12 people when it was extended but it was perfectly round of course it was made smaller for us because it was just the four of us well she proceeded to serve this amazing like five course meal the first course I will never forget was um, cream of peanut soup and in the top had done she had made a design with creme fraiche you know each person and I remember the dessert was individual heart-shaped white chocolate mousse in a pool of raspberry puree of course and and we left and I was like oh my gosh what should what did she think think, so I mentioned that to my mentor Coke and Coke was uh one of D the our host's closest friends and um Coke said you know what Laura that was absolutely the best D came to me recently and she said to me Coke we have people over to our house all the time, but we never get invited anywhere else. Why do you think that is? And he, who was very loving and gracious and was a close friend of hers, could say, Dee, it's because they can't compare with what you do. You are this gourmet cook and you you make such a, I mean, you make people feel special, but they also feel like they can't reciprocate. Of course. And so that was a great reminder to me 
that it's the relationship that's important and being present. And then just recently, that was reiterated when we went down to visit some friends in uh, Santa Barbara. And um, there was one couple that were just acquaintances of ours. We were seeing some other people, but we texted the acquaintance and we said, we're going to be in town. Would We'd love to go out to dinner with you. They said, oh no, come over, come to our house. We want to host you. This was like three days before we're going to get there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, we couldn't do that. They'd absolutely come. So we show up at their house, this gorgeous house. And this couple is just amazing. They've raised money for uh, school in Ghana and um, Habitat for Humanity and all this stuff. So we I said, this is so kind of you to do for the moment. And our host said, oh, this no problem at all. You know what? I have found, I have identified like the very best Costco things. And I keep all this stuff in my freezer so that I can do this on the spur of the moment. Oh, clever. And we had this lovely, lovely dinner. And as we were eating, she told us the most amazing story. Like I said, uh, they had raised money. They had built a, a school in Ghana, a high school in Ghana. Wow. And she said they several years ago had had a fundraiser out in this courtyard where we were eating and they had about 30 people at round tables. And afterwards, one of the guests came up to her, a gentleman and said, Oh my gosh, your salad was so fantastic. Could I have the recipe? And, and my friend said, well, yes, you can for a price. If you <laughs> do, if you want to give the money $1,500 for a scholarship for one year for one of the students, I'll give you the recipe. Oh, and wow. He laughed and they laughed together and he didn't take her up on it. So five years later, they're having another fundraiser. Same guy is there. He comes up to her after the dinner and he said, oh my gosh, your potatoes, your scalloped potatoes were so fantastic. Could I please have the recipe? She goes, I'll tell you the same thing I told you five years ago <laughs> for a price. But I'll tell you what, this time I'll give you both the salad recipe and the potato recipe if you'll play, pay for all three years for one of our students because it's a three-year program. So um, he was like, he kind of gulped. He goes, okay, I'll do it. So he writes her a check. She said the next day she pulls out her tatty, tattered um, recipe card for the salad and takes a picture of it sends it to him. Then she pulls the frozen scallop potatoes, Costco potatoes out yes. of her finger, takes a picture of that and send it to him. I love it. Her scholarship. And it was very um, easy. She was a oh, great example to me. I just so, think that is so great because if you have things on hand, you can concentrate more on the guest than on trying to feel ready. Right. And I, I love trying new recipes, but I'm trying to um, make myself only... If, if at all, try one new recipe and then don't do things that require last minute attention, okay. if at all possible. And what would be something that would require last minute attention that you won't do so much now? Well, the things well, uh, you often get it with hot stuff that is on like I've got things on two different timers. Right. Um, but if I can, you know, I've I've played around with some recipes and there's some that I can make ahead and just reheat. Right. I mean, I can make the morning of and just reheat. Mm -hmm. um, and there are others that maybe just require at the same time broiling and getting out. So mm -hmm. it's just playing around. I think you have to, you have try to figure it out. And yeah. I like to make lists so I can. If there's, you know, if I'm feeling nervous, I'll make a list of what time to try or to start and finish different yeah. things just so I don't burn something. It's not like yeah. I want the house to smell like it's, I've burned something though. I've done that. My, one of my worst failures, we'd been married about three weeks and 
but I was older. I was 35. I'd hosted for years as a single. And so I wasn't nervous about inviting our pastor and his wife. I just didn't know them. And so they came for dinner and I tried a new recipe, which I don't recommend for company, though I often do because I like to try something new. But this was a rolled stuffed meatloaf, which doesn't sound fancy, but you do have to lay out the ground beef and then you sprinkle, I think it's mozzarella and shredded ham, and then you roll it up and then you bake, roast or bake it like you would a meatloaf, right? Well, my problem was, is that I used more meatloaf than it was called for. So I didn't actually follow the recipe. So when I was serving it, I noticed that it looked pink, but I thought it was the ham, Laura, not that it was raw. Uh And and when I saw it on my pastor's plate, I said, oh, no, I said, you can't eat raw hamburger. So I quickly took up all the plates and I started sweating and I was a newlywed, but I was old and I should have known better. And I quickly, you know, heated Praise the Lord for microwaves. I mean, what did our mothers do? They didn't have that opportunity. <laughs> and the whole time, my darling pastor's wife, Doris, who we became dear friends, started talking about one time when the, her husband was a young pastor and they invited the guest pastor home for lunch, Sunday dinner. We used to call it Sunday dinner. And she had uh, cooked or prepared a stewing chicken. Well, I didn't even know what a stewing chicken was, Laura, but I just wanted Doris to keep talking because I was sweating and I was having to do each plate um, singularly. And she said the chicken was so bad that our guests had to take us out to lunch. And I just thought, oh, that is such a great story. And I loved it because I made a friend. You know, I was failing, but I made a friend that she could relate to me because of my failure. And she helped me relate to her because of her failure. And all my only request was, Pastor Keller, please don't use me as a sermon illustration. (laughs) And he never did. But I have used that story for years because I was a wreck for about five minutes but we had a great time the rest of the we evening. bond over our, our weaknesses. We, we bond, bond over our failures, right? Yeah. We bond over our failures. Yeah. So um, did you have any obstacles that you had to overcome to make you such a welcomer? Or does that just come naturally? You know, I'm very blessed. My I have a legacy of faith. My parents, my grandparents, my extended family, and both my mother and my grandmother were so creative on nothing. My grandmother, she, she would, um, she, I still have a recipe for it's, um, it's like, it's like chicken chow mein, but made with hot dogs or something. Oh my gosh. It sounds horrible. It sounds horrible, but but she, you know, she could make anything lovely and inviting and my mother too. And so Mm -hmm. I really have been blessed that way. I think that, um, needing to relax with the, um, the trappings and everything. One of the things that has helped me is um, I always try to set a timer for an hour before my guests arrive just to stop and pray Mm. because otherwise, you know, you get spinning and you get so wrapped up in all the to do's that you forget the real purpose behind, you know, what you're doing. And it helps me to stop and pray for each of my guests. Yeah. For the guests. And also when my kids were little, that was more of a frantic time right before the people would get there. And even though I would be really wanting to be loving to the people coming to my door, I wasn't particularly loving to my own family. Mark, I told you to light the fire. How come it's not lit yet? Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And so I have been uh, 
challenged in that area as well. Still sometimes not as much. Um, so that is a great bit of wisdom. Was there something else, else that you wanted to share on being a woman of welcome? Um, or you, want you know, to go I go think ahead. that, um, I think it, it really, I love doing the extra creative touches, but I also need the freedom to not do that if I don't have the time or the money. Mm -hmm. And there are other ways that you can make your guests feel special. I think that people remember how you made them feel. And I want to be a there you are person instead of a here I am person. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think my tone can maybe communicate that. And then also, this one was a hard one for me, um, letting other people help. It makes them feel comfortable and it helps them be a hero. And I just, I know from one of my daughters in particular is an introvert and she is just so much more comfortable with something in her hands if she's helping. Right. And that's the way with many people. It puts Mm -hmm. them at ease. And um, so if I can figure out, it it helps to think beforehand because often you figure, oh my gosh, it's easier to do it myself. But if you think it through beforehand, what are some good things that I can hand off that are really would be helpful to me? Um, It helps to think it through ahead of time. It does help. And because I've done that for years, because I've seen the, the advantage of it, and I know you do as well. I usually just always know if it's a college student, don't have them bring the green bean casserole. This young couple needed to be invited and they brought like an eight by eight for 35 people and they Googled the recipe and it was the kind, Uh you know, you use with cream and mushroom soup. It was Uh adorable, but often with kids like that, I'll just say, would you like to bring uh, two loaves of French bread from the grocery store and a cube of butter? And they will. And I could just as well buy it. Yeah, but, but it does ease in the finance and it gives them, it's kind of yeah. like, I like, I write about this, about it being a gift of blessing. You get to share the blessing, especially yeah. for an introvert. Though I had one woman, her and her husband were coming for the first time and they said they would bring the dessert. I think that's what they said. And 45 minutes beforehand, they go, can we bring another guest? We have someone in our B&B who is from Spain and we know that you host international students. And I go, Sure. And I thought, what if I were having pork chops? And I wouldn't have had another pork chop, but I wasn't. I was having pasta and there was plenty. And she brought like an extra salad, extra wine. I mean, she just, because she's that way, but you just never know. And sometimes you're quite surprised. And I like the control, Laura. I like to make sure there's enough food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if, and I know there are so many people who just don't host. They just don't have people in their homes and they don't know what it's like yeah yeah yeah. they don't understand it and I've had to learn grace like it doesn't matter that it was a tiny little salad yeah they don't they don't get it and so does it matter to my other guests no I'm the one who gets a little upset and so God is continuing to challenge me and helping me behave spiritually the fruit of the spirit is the main thing you know that we are making someone feel so loved and comforted That's the main difference between entertaining and hospitality, that we focus on them. But the reason I think you and I, um, I think it's good that we can mentor others in how to do hospitality is so that they're not thinking about themselves because they're feeling insecure. Now, I mean, I would feel insecure about things I haven't tried, uh, but the more I do it, the more secure I feel. So I don't even think about certain things. uh, And so that you can say, Hey, I really noticed that you're hurting. What can I do to help? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Did you want to talk to me about the recipe we're going to share? 
Um, yeah, actually, you know, um, <laughs> the this recipe is called Fancy Fast Chicken, and um, <laughs> there was a, a, I one of the things that my, my mentor, the Coke that I mentioned to mentioned before, one of the things that she told me was. Um, if you don't have enough margin in your day to take a pot of soup to someone, you don't have enough margin. Wow. Now, there are certainly that's a general statement. And and there are um, certainly times when you won't have enough margin in your day to take a pot of soup to someone. But I think one of the things that I've learned is trying to keep on hand at least some of the ingredients for some basic mercy meals Um so you're stocked and you're ready to go. And this fancy fast chicken is, is one that I will often take to people in need. But there was also a time when my husband and I, our kids were little, they were toddlers maybe at the time. And we had invited, we were having the elders and their spouses over for dinner. And we were having like maybe six of them at a time, three couples at a time. And so one evening we had had dinner and it was probably macaroni and cheese out of a box because that's kind of what you do when you have toddlers. And we had out a game that we were all playing, probably the kid version of Candyland or Monopoly or something. And the phone rings and I answer it and I said, um, hello. And this person said, um, hi, I just wanted to check and make sure that dinner tonight was at seven o'clock. And I'm like, what? Oh my gosh. Dinner tonight. Yes. At my house. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, We'll see you then. Bye-bye. So we had totally forgotten about it. Threw everything, hit everything, scooped up. My my husband, he had to run to the store to get the chicken breast, but that was it. I had everything else. And we were able to pull. Fortunately, it was, I was only in charge of the drinks and the main dish. So I could pull that together, Um, but it it worked. Um, Wonderful. Wonderful. That's a great story. And we'll be sharing that recipe. Uh, A friend of mine is probably a very similar recipe. We call it Katie's Supreme Chicken. And uh, after her, because she always kept the ingredients on hand for last minute company. And I put it in my book and I had this new friend over. She has five kids and we were the kids were not there, but we wanted to hear about each other's children. We ended up talking for like two hours. And at the end, she goes, Sue, I just don't do hospitality much because uh, I'm not much of a cook. And I just don't feel comfortable unless I'm ordering pizza out for my friend, my kids' friends. And so I handed her a copy of my book. I go, in this book is Katie's Supreme Chicken. And she says just to keep these things on uh, tap and you'll be ready for anyone. And, and I said, in fact... Uh, Lori, if you um, if you invite Mark and I for dinner next week, I'll bring Katie's Supreme Chicken, and she uh, and and she just laughed. And then when I, after about an hour, she texted me and she goes, "Would you and Mark come for dinner on Saturday, and I'll make Katie's Supreme oh, Chicken?" Oh, that's and great. she did, yeah. and, and it was delicious. Course. Yeah, I'll put, maybe I'll put both of the chicken ones in the show notes. So, Laura, is there any action points that you can leave for my listeners to help them? leave the legacy that God has called them to? You know, I, I think what I mentioned, um, well, two things. I think part of it is just an awareness. And so um, even uh, in the morning praying, um, Lord, 
let it, let it be like there's a welcome mat in front of me um, wherever I go today. Help me to be aware of, of ways that I can welcome others and bless them, whether it's in line at Starbucks or um, wherever. And um, and then I think the other one is, is just being prepared, um, keeping some things on hand that that might make you feel more comfortable mm-hmm. and not being afraid to just ask for help. People love to help. Mm-hmm. So. So yeah. true. Wow. We are kindred spirits. We could go on the road, but yeah. you should probably go east and I'll go west because we have the, a great God who's given us the same message yeah. and you are a beautiful woman and I'm so glad to get acquainted. Uh-huh. And I know that this conversation will bless my audience. So thanks again. Thank you so much. It's an absolute joy. Oh, so good to so meet much. you. Okay, Until bye. next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.